No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin Cuff. And I'm Bob France. This is our first episode of the new year, and I know it's really late in the year, but hey, everybody, happy new year. Yes, happy new year. Because, happy new uh, year. We, we've, we took a little hiatus from for the holidays, and now we finally have someone really cool to talk to. Who, who are we talking to? We are talking to, listen to this title, Kevin, Associate Publisher and Chief Sales Officer, Chris Longo from Heavy Metal Magazine. Really solid dude. We met him at the Baltimore Comic Con uh, last year. Really nice guy. Really excited about Heavy Metal. Really excited about all the stuff that they're doing. Heavy Metal Magazine, it's a legacy publication. It's the world's most famous illustrated magazine. Everybody knows what Heavy Metal is and they're working their way back into the space. Uh, They're doing some really exciting things. And Chris is going to tell us all about that and so much more. It's a really great interview. He's also going to tell us about how to join the Black Denim Jacket Club. Here's it. Because we're trying to do that. Here's a, a pro tip. You could get the jacket at Target, maybe. I don't know, though. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. maybe you maybe, could. Maybe. Maybe. But we'll talk all about comics and Heavy Metal Magazine and Mad Magazine and the wonderful world of denim jackets with Chris. titles go chris you got by far the best one i mean it's one two three four five words long your title oh over there at heavy metal and an ampersand word (laughs) i mean that's you know you're important when you have one of those things i mean i can barely pronounce it but the fact that you have one is amazing now you're now give us your official title over at heavy metal chris Longo. The, the official title is Associate Publisher and Ampersand. Ampersand. Uh, sales Officer. Now, do you say and or do you say ampersand? Like when I mean, say- I'm not a psycho. I say and. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm going to boast that my title now needed an ampersand. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. It's better than like a slash or like a backslash. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so, too. There's something dignified about the ampersand. Yeah, totally. Because when you see one of those, you think like law firms and and accountants and things of that nature, like really important stuff. I mean, associate publisher and chief sales officer. One day, I bet your parents are really proud of you. <laughs> I think I think uh, my, my, my mom passed, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry to hear father- that. My father is super proud. And then I have an aunt who is basically like another mother to me. And mm-hmm. she couldn't be, even though she scarcely understands what heavy metal might be. And I'm sure if she thumbed through it, she would be absolutely horrified. Um, she, she is exceptionally proud. Yeah, I feel like my mom is the same way because the thing that we're most known for is Metal Shark Bro, which is yeah. a book about the devil. Uh, my mom is a born again Christian, but she always talks about how proud of me she is. But I know for a fact she's probably never read the book and never will. 
Um, so it's just kind of one of, like, I'm so proud of everything you've accomplished. It's like, thanks mom. And I do it with the power of Satan. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't be on further ends of the, of the spectrum there. You yeah, know I mean, what? It might be best for that relationship if she doesn't read. <laughs> uh, no, my mom loves me no matter what. Like I said, I did commercial radio for 10 years in our, in, in my hometown that she lived in. And so she heard it all. So she knows what I, she knows what I am, Chris. She, she, gave, she gave birth to me. She knows what kind of deviant and terrible human being I am. Hey, by the way, I have to pay you a compliment. I I so loved rereading Metal Shark Bro Volume 1. I teed up Volume 2 for this weekend on Comixology. Well, so top of the reading pile. And I want to say thank you for buying that on Comixology because Kevin Walter and I will make a grand total of like 35 cents. And that's really cool. So thank you so much. Every little bit counts. We're so excited about it. And don't forget, Ringo Award winning. I know, I know, I couldn't forget. I was so happy for you guys, even though I only met you like a couple hours earlier, I got really yeah. stripped up in your victory. Dude, I was really happy, man. Again, that was crazy. And you guys were so kind to us. Kevin and I felt like, we felt like the pretty girls in the prom, like we'd taken our glasses off and then the world realized that we were pretty and then we got to dance with the hottest boys at the prom. It was really, it was a really great weekend for us. Oh geez, you guys need to get out more often. We do, man. we do. <laughs> and we need to stop watching teen comedies, you know, like coming of age movies. But that's what it is, that's what it is. So Chris, man, tell us all about heavy metal, dude, because I was telling you this before we hit record, heavy metal is a staple magazine that has been around for, God, what, you guys have done 300 issues. It feels like you've been around forever. Um, but there's a new kind of, what's the word I'm looking for here? A new version, uh, that's not a great word, but we'll say a new version, a new kind of, uh, um, I, I guess, example of heavy metal that you guys are doing. And you're doing all these new uh, these new things. Tell the people about it. Yeah, you know, heavy metal uh, for the last two years has been under new management. I've been fortunate enough to be part of that team. And, uh, you know, I'm just over the moon. It's still still one of those things where it's like, I, I can't believe this is my day-to-day -day life. You know, I, 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 had, uh, I had many, many copies of heavy metal absconded from me by uh, middle school and high school teachers. <laughs> so, you know, somewhere, somewhere in New Jersey, someone's getting rich off of my, uh, my back issues that <laughs> were found in a desk or something. Um, so, it, I mean, it's really surreal. I've been in comics for a long time, but I never thought I'd have the chance to work on this particular brand. And it's just such a thrill. So yeah, we, we you know, we, I think we did a pretty good job of, of uh, revitalizing the magazine. We, we were committed from the outset of getting back to a monthly and we've been able to do that for the last year and a half with no significant interruptions, thankfully. Um, we 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 have, are committed to being in standalone comics as well, and we've really redoubled our efforts to make sure that our flagship characters like the B-17 Bomber Nelson and Cold Dead War and, uh, and Tarna have their own flagship series that are handled with care by some great creators. Uh, and, and we really just love where things are. And now we're gearing up for what's in store for the rest of the year. We've got another flagship book launch coming. And we're going to do some absolutely wild, batshit bonkers stunts uh, in the middle of the year to support some of our pros initiatives too. Really? And, okay. Uh, yeah. When you when you hear one of these stunts, you're not gonna you're not gonna believe we're actually doing this, but we're actually doing this. <laughs> now, now define stunts, because I'm thinking like, what do you what do you what do you what do you got in mind when you say stunts? So bear in mind, I'm also a, a by you know in my career, I've also been a marketer for most of my time. So I I, I definitely have uh, that split brain, right? I, I I'm always looking for like what can we do to really shine a light on these books and really connect with a broader audience and just make sure 
um, our distributors who work really hard to get this product out in the stores have, have, have something to work with. So given that we're kind of new to pros and we're still, you know, sort of collecting our bona fides in that space, uh, I was really looking for uh, a super cool marketing stunt to kick off some of what we're doing. Um, and, you know, I realize I'm saying all this and I can't pay it off right now. I can't tell you <laughs> what it's going to be, but I can tell you it's, it's, it's literally going to be an astronomical thing. It's, it's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's going to be something that gets a lot of attention. People will tell us that we're nuts, uh, but I think everyone will get a really big kick out of it. That's awesome. But that we're, we're in that space now where we, we have the luxury of thinking a little bit bigger and, you know, extending into these different mediums where heavy metal's never really been before. We're really, we've got a couple of pros project teed up that uh, we're all really excited about. That's cool. And you guys also have kind of dipped your toes in the YA field, right? Yeah, we, we've been fortunate enough to work with uh, Steve Orlando, who you He's probably great. know, super talented, awesome guy. And he's created this really compelling world with us uh, that we've been teasing in the magazine called Star Word, and it's about to launch as a standalone series. So yeah, cool. we're you know we're we're critically thinking about what a, what does the primer version of heavy metal for a young fan look like? <laughs> yeah. How can we safely take the spirit of like the the, the quality of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, and create something that's like the gateway to to the adult version of heavy metal? So we're we're you know we're not. Uh, we're crawling before we run, clearly, but um, we're really critically thinking about how to how to onboard new younger fans and uh, and create something for everybody. I think it's a great idea, man. Like the the audience for comics that they're so hungry. Like they, I mean, I work at an elementary school with my kids, and every kid in that elementary school reads comics they just don't consider it comics they read graphic novels because but i mean they consume it i mean it's it's insane to see and and the fact that you guys are smart enough to tap into that is 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 very heady on your part yeah well you know it's logical i see i see like i have a teenage son he's uh he just turned 15 in january <laughs> yeah he's he uh he, it's interesting to see what he sort of, what kind of content he's sort of independently consuming without us sitting next to him. Mm. And uh, you know, he's he's well into things like the Umbrella Academy, and you know, a bit, he's been a big Stranger Things fan for years. So when I think things like that, it's like, well, you know, why not? You why why shouldn't heavy metal have a, a you know a, an easy onboard for somebody like him yeah. who would probably latch onto the sci-fi of it all in a big way? So how is fifteen? I have an eleven and a nine-year-old. How's how's 15? 15's interesting. You know, it's on one hand, it's really wonderful to be able to connect with your child as a young adult mm -hmm. and see the the beginnings of who they really are going to be as an adult starting to take shape. And it's been fascinating to watch my kid um, you know, really grow up into being the, a champion of the little guy, right? Like he he is looking out for other people always. He's very socially conscious. Um, you know, he, he takes up causes that have no relation to him. He just feels he needs to support them. So when I see things like that happening, it thrills me. However, <laughs> however the, the, uh, the moodiness that comes along with 15 is staggering. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, and again, I remember what I was like at 15. I was a handful. Like I said, there were teachers taking stuff away from me all the time and, you know, heavy metals and whatnot. Um, 
and and I think his version of rebellion and frustration at that age is probably a lot more benign than it could be. Well, that's my good. God. Yeah, it's good. But my gosh, wait, eight o'clock in the morning, the moodiness is off the charts. The uh, <laughs> the drive to school every morning is a, is a fascinating conversation where I ask questions and get grunts and one word answers. Yeah, I remember. Do you remember the days when your kid would wake up like my daughter would wake up and every day was the best day in the whole wide world, bright eyed and bushy tailed and like ready to conquer whatever happens. And then around fourth grade, at least for my daughter, fourth grade, it changed like she just kind of. I guess they realize they can have fun without you. Like, I think that's what starts to happen. They don't, what, they don't need you to bring them up. They can find their own fun. And that's what makes them sad. They realize that that you're not fun and that you're lame. And oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the, the big, the, I think the first time I saw it coming was last summer when uh, I kept telling him, like, hey, if your friends are vaccinated and, you know, everyone's playing safe, you can have a couple friends over in the pool. Everyone's just got to do the right thing and play safe. And I thought he was telling me no out of an abundance of caution or maybe he was concerned. But it was just that he didn't want me coming outside and embarrassing him. But you're a cool dude. Like, you work for a comic book company. To him, I am not. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And bear in mind, like, I, I, you know, where I live, I live in in, uh, the San Fernando Valley in California. And everybody's parents are doing something cool, right? Like almost everybody who lives yeah, here. I guess that's like, true. Somebody yeah. did a rip on a movie set, and somebody's a producer and a writer. So it's like, I, what I do is nothing special in the grand scheme of things. And I'm sure, I'm sure he's got friends who have dads who are, uh, who are, are toppling me every single day. But I, you know, I, I tell him, like, one day you're going to grow up and realize how special and weird it was to have, like, spent your entire life at comic conventions. Because he pretty much did. That's cool. Yeah. Now, so, so you're telling me that comics are on the low end of the pole in Hollywood? I can't believe that for a second. Why would the, Why would that be? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just go, I'm just telling you how I'm received. <laughs> <laughs> so before we got into the kids, you said that you've been working in comics kind of your whole life. Like, so you're with Heavy Metal now. Where did your comics career begin? Oh, yeah, the origin story. So I started I started in a very unlikely place in the beginning of my career. Uh, I grew up in uh, northern New Jersey. And for some reason, you know, the, I looked at the people around me, you know, the my parents, my aunts and uncles. I just had this weird perception that work was work, right? Like, like the idea of doing something, like taking something you love and turning that into a career was just, like, it was just something, didn't seem like something I could do. So I just had it in my head from a young age that at some point I'm going to have to go do a job. It's going to be a pain in the ass and boring. So I, I went to college and on the, uh, at the advice of one of my advisors, I took an internship uh, at a marketing firm. And they, had, they specialized in uh, medical and pharmaceutical public relations. And I spent about a year and a half there. I learned some really interesting stuff. And then I, I embarked on the next job, which was like the career job. And I went to a bigger uh, New York City uh, uh, advertising agency for pharmaceutical and spent the next year and a half just being absolutely miserable. Like it just, every day I'd walk in there and it would just sink in like, am I going to do this for the rest of my <laughs> And, and uh, every day got more and more bleak. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I had the opportunity to learn some things and develop some skills in between being miserable. 
So I did leave with something out of that experience, but I, just, I literally woke up one day and said, I can't do this anymore and I'm going to resign. And I was young enough and dumb enough to be able to just resign without having a plan B. Nice. And, yes. And within a couple months, I, this is, again, I'm dating myself, uh, but uh, I answered an ad in the New York Times for, uh, for an advertising job at Warner Brothers. That, hold on, before you can, that phrase is just completely over the heads of 98% of our audience. An ad in the New York Times, like what's an ad? What's the New York Times? Like what are yeah. these things? The thing yeah. behind the paywall? Yeah, let me assure your listeners, I am not 75 years old. This <laughs> wasn't ultimately that long ago, but but it's definitely not how things are done now. I did answer an ad for Warner Brothers advertising representative in, in the New York Times. I faxed my resume over. Wow. <laughs> Uh, and then I, I rode my horse and buggy to New York City uh, <laughs> interview. And uh, I get there and it's the corporate offices of Warner Brothers in New York City, which, it, you know, you go in there expecting it's going to be cool and fun. And it's the driest, most clinical. It's like, a, it's, it's like you're going to an oncologist's office. That's the vibe. <laughs> So I go in there, there's a lot of very stuffy people in suits that I had to talk to. And I was like, oh, everywhere is boring. Great. This is wonderful. <laughs> so I get through the, the the preliminary interview with HR and then they tell me and, and uh, they tell me, OK, now you're going to go across the, the street to 1700 Broadway and interview with the hiring manager over at DC Comics and Mad Magazine. Wow. <laughs> You know when you get like that instant rush, like that heart palpitation, and then you like you have no control over yourself. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I did in that chair, but I I thought I was playing it super cool. Like <laughs> I don't know, I heard of DC Comics, and that. but inside I was screaming like because I, I was a Mad Magazine lunatic as, yeah. a, as a teenager. Yes, loved yes. Mad Magazine, lived for Mad Magazine. Um, I read DC as a kid, loved DC, loved Batman as a kid. Um, so this was just otherworldly to me. Like this was night and day from anything I experienced. So I went to that interview. Uh, I have no idea what sort of nonsense came out of my mouth in the in the process of that interview. But apparently it was good enough that they called me back a week later for another interview. And a couple more interviews later, they hired me. That's awesome. So, you know, ground level job there. I stayed there for about 13 years. And I rose in the ranks over time. By the time I left, I was running East Coast advertising and custom publishing sales. So Custom publishing was kind of the defining thing for me because I got to go out and sell the company's creative capabilities to make comics for charities and pro-social messages and brands and things like that, which uh, is a huge creative exercise to try and figure out how to organically and in like a brand friendly way have Superman selling products without actually shilling products. That was the, (laughs) the creative challenge. Yeah. And uh, the, the, the thing that I that, that I kind of carried with me my whole career that I did there was uh, I launched with uh, my current business partner uh, at my agency. I launched uh, the Lego Bionicle comic line. Oh, okay. oh that's cool. Wow. Yeah. So, like, I think it still holds some records when I when that project ceased about 10 years after it started. I think we distributed somewhere in the ballpark of like 82 million comics Jesus. in the world for Bionicle, which <laughs> is crazy, ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Um, so it was like, you know, everyone uses the, the buzzword like branded content. Now we were doing branded content before it had a buzzword, right? <laughs> before it was cool. 
before what before it was a line item on a, a marketing proposal right <laughs> it was that um so that kind of put me on the path to like that's a great intersection of my marketing and advertising skills and my love for comics so i kind of played into that for a long time i spent some time on the agency side trying to convince people that comics were the way and that didn't quite work out uh, and then I started my own company, which was called Geek Riot Media. And what I did with Geek Riot was I just wanted to bolt on to the publishers that I liked working with, like Archie Comics and Boom Studios. And I figured I'll just work here. I'll sell their inventory and see if we can get some of these deals done. And uh, that kind of led me back to thinking about going back to publishing because I really enjoyed working with all these different publishers of different sizes kind of getting a glimpse into their businesses and how you know how they all ran differently and how some were very much reliant on ad dollars and then some were just looking at it as gravy and they could upgrade their coffee in the break room kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, that kind of put the desire in me, like I do want to stay in comics. I don't want to go whole hog marketing agency guy. So over time, uh, I started doing more consultancies with publishers. Uh, I flipped what was originally my consultancy Geek Riot into a, a marketing agency with partners. So the, the gentleman that I created the Bionicle comics with at Lego, he and I are now partners on a specialty marketing agency. And that agency is all about helping brands connect with different fandom groups. So it's a really fun challenge. And again, it's very nerd focused stuff. Uh, and then I was perfectly fine teeing all that up and then... <laughs> Somewhere in December, uh, it was like right before the holidays, December 2019. I remember this vividly because, my, again, I'm not trying to bring the house down, but my dog had passed away a day before. Oh, and I was oh, really bummed out. And it was the last day I was going to work uh, before taking a week off. And I just woke up that day and I'm like, I just got to get through this day. And uh, I, I was rushing to wrap things up because we had tickets to go see Rise of Skywalker as a family, as, as if the... the they couldn't get more depressing. <laughs> and, uh, I, I get this call, this call from a guy I didn't recognize, number I didn't recognize, let it go to voicemail. And then while I'm sitting there waiting for the movie to start, I listen to it. And it's this guy jumping out of his skin on the voicemail. He's like, hey, you don't know me. My name's Matt Medney. I'm the new CEO of Heavy Metal. I know you. I know people who know you. And I want to talk to you right away. So... I was like, all right, I can't deal with this right now, but this is really interesting. So I called him the next day and I got a lot more. Pay. I had to call that guy instantly. Like you have a lot more. <laughs> I was sitting in the movie theater. The movie was about to start. I'm like, oh, I'm just not, you know, Chris you, Chris, you wouldn't have been missing anything. It was rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I, I, I should have taken the call right then and there. Um, but uh, I, we connected the next day. You know, we had a great talk. We met for uh, a beer a couple days later, really hit it off. And then I, you know, I was like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll take a consultancy contract. I'll help you guys build some infrastructure, whatever you need. I'm, I'm here to help. So that was February by the time we got started. And then the pandemic started yes. and all of my marketing business screeched to a halt. So there <laughs> I went from being like working nonstop, multiple jobs, consultancies to just sitting at home and doing nothing. And I was like, oh, what, what is this now? So long story short. I still had the heavy metal opportunity and uh, about a month into that, you know, pandemic raging, I, I called Matt and I said, look, we can either stop this and we can revisit it when the world comes back or, you know, put me in coach. I can do something other than what you, you know, hired me to do. 
And fortunately, he was uh, he 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 wanted to keep me on. So we I started helping with press and I started helping with marketing. And the next thing I know, by June, he's like, "Why don't you come on board, partner, chief sales officer, and just uh, help me run this business and let's let's do it together." And uh, God, I'm so glad that uh, you know, so grateful. David Irwin, who's our publisher, was the mystery man who recommended to Matt to call me. So, and David is somebody I worked with at DC Comics for 13 years, and it was just great. It was the the best possible situation at the right time. That's awesome. And now, now of course, now you know, working like crazy, doing two things at once. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I love both of these things, and I I never want to stop doing either one. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, man. So you've done Mad Magazine. Now you're DC Comics and heavy metal. I mean, like that's that's it right there. Like, what else is there to do, man? Like that. Those are those are legacy uh, publications, dude. That's amazing. It's nuts. And I mean, I re- even now, you know, at the age I am, I I just can't get over the luck that I've had, the opportunity that I've had, and I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. But if I could tell like my my uh, eight to thirteen year old self what I'm doing now. Uh, you know, I'm sure that that kid would have passed out. It's just uh, it's just bonkers to me. But you know what? Comics is here's the thing I love about comics. Like I have made, you know, I think about the time I spent in advertising and the relationships that I have there. And they're really temporary. Right. Like sometimes you find somebody you work with, a client you work with and you, you're in a great groove for like two, three years. And then they move on to something else and you move on to something else. And suddenly you're no longer fit for each other. Yeah. And then someone you that, that was such an essential part of your business is now just kind of gone. But with comics, it's such a small pool and everybody who's in there wants to be there. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I've made some of the best friendships and, and professional relationships I could have imagined in comics. And at this point, I just couldn't I couldn't bear to pull myself out of it. Like, I, I just couldn't imagine life not being in this crazy world, you know? Well, we're glad you're here, man. So (laughs) let's talk about what Heavy Metal does as a publisher, because I think even amongst creators, when you talk about Heavy Metal, uh, there's, I don't want to say a confusion, but I don't know if, if if the message is clear, if that makes sense, because you have the magazine. Would you say the magazine is the flagship of the Heavy Metal publishing world? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the magazine's the lifeblood, right? Okay. It kind of feeds everything else that we do. So it's at the center of, of our operation. You know, again, all the other things that we're doing, we don't do at the expense of the magazine. The magazine remains a priority, will always be a priority. Um, but yeah, you're right. There is some sort of institutional confusion out there. I mean, we have a lot of new fans from the last two years, but we also have a lot of legacy fans. People have been reading since the very beginning, and it's it's uh, we try and we try and honor everybody's opinions. And it's it's not easy, but <laughs> our fans are really great about telling us what they think, and we take it to heart. So what what we're trying to do is make sure, even though the magazine kind of fundamentally has to change over the years to to be able to be in stores and be relevant it's still heavy metal right like we you know it's still super compelling sci-fi fantasy and horror um and our approach now is to kind of take the essence of the magazine and figure out what is the standalone comic from heavy metal feel like and what does a prose book from heavy metal feel like and what does a podcast feel like so we've dabbled in all these spaces um where we're heavily invested now in uh, in in the trade business. So we're, we've collected most of a, the last two years of our output and they're doing really well through okay. Simon & Schuster. 
Uh, we're, we're now getting into a groove with some original graphic novels. We have a really great sci-fi one coming out next month called Stable um, that I think you guys would, would, would really love. Um, we've got prose books uh, on doc for 2022. We just released um, last week, we just released uh, the Redux version of Bob Fingerman's Pariah, which is a really cool uh, sort of teenage zombie story uh, that, that uh, is doing really, really well. We're really thrilled with that. Um, so we're basically just trying to, trying to be out in more mediums and, and sort of extend what the brand means across all these different areas. You know, we, 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 we want people to just sort of organically find their way into heavy metal and, and what we do in the most comfortable way possible. So we've definitely onboarded fans from, from books. We've definitely onboarded fans from podcasts. Um, and then the NFT business that's popping up now and, and, uh, and, and doing well. We're, we're a whole new fan base is finding us and is naturally curious. We have a Discord uh, that we launched about a month ago. And the yeah, conversation there are fascinating. <laughs> You got to have the Discord if you're on the NFT thing. That's the thing. But I mean, so like, okay, so there's the magazine and you have yep. the stories that appear in the magazine. So like, let's say I have Heavy Metal 300 and 301 and 302. Am I going to get a, like a continual story in those three magazines? From yeah, like, we did make a commitment to serialization in the magazine. Okay, because it used to just be like standalone stories, like boom, yeah. boom, boom, back in and the we day. Still, we still throw a few of those into the mix. <clears throat> okay. But for the most part, you can see that we have stories. Uh, among them are uh, a story called Savage Circus, another called Darkwing, uh, another called Starward, which is the uh, YA title I was talking about earlier. Um, all of those, the, the plan was launch them as a serial in the magazine. Okay. Kind of see what fans respond to. And then the plan is, as long as everyone's feeling good about it, we reproduce them as standalone issues, uh, you know, comic books, floppies, okay. or trade, whatever, whatever we decide is the best way to tell the story. Um, and just make sure it has a perpetual life uh, through that's our cool. stories. So yeah, so there's, that's cool. there's no one way we do it. Like, there's no, not everything goes, goes down the same assembly line. Uh, but when we we publish a story, like our, our one of our one of the things we like to say is is that if we're publishing it in a magazine, we believe it has legs. We believe it's a story that can go on and on and on. So <laughs> we're trying to invest our time more and more to finding stories that really have a lot of stuff to stick to. You know, the, the great characters, killer art. You know, we want we want to we want to create long lasting franchises. But I mean, if you're doing heavy metal, like when you hear the term heavy metal, you instantly have a picture in your head. You know what to expect. So you have to have fantastic art. I would, I mean, it has to be like top notch stuff because yeah. that's, oh, yeah. that's just the expectation from from the brand. Yeah, and I mean, look at the you know, the, the, look at the shoulders that our current artists are standing. Yeah. Right, like mm -hmm. Mobius. Say, like, come on, so, man. Like, you know. It, it, it's so hard to be able to uh, continue that legacy, but we really are so proud of the work that we've done since issue 300. I really think, um, I, I, I personally love what the serialization has done to the magazine. I think it's made it more of an urgent read. Um, and I think, I think we're seeing a little bit of benefit um, of that in, in our sales as well. Um, people really responded to it on the newsstand in a big way from 300 to 306. We kept seeing gains and gains and gains. It was really remarkable. 
That's awesome. Um, so, so people seem to be liking it. You know, again, you know, you can't please everybody. We, we don't like that some of our legacy fans feel like that's a little bit of a distraction or that, you know, it's a sacred text and that anything that we do or change about heavy metal means we're going to change everything. But that's really not the case. We have, we have no plans to change the essence of that magazine. It is so important to us to honor that legacy and to keep putting out great product every single month. That's awesome. So, so I have a question. So if, if, if somebody wanted to go into their local comic shop and find heavy metal, but they didn't see it there, do you guys have like an online place where someone can go in and buy the magazine or buy a subscription? Yeah, we do. So you, we're, we're about to relaunch both of those things. We're about to close down and relaunch our e-commerce platform, our store. Um, and we just sort of uh, gave our subscription plan a shot the arm. We brought on a new uh, fulfillment house, and we actually have a, a, a really, uh, really great company called Stark who's going to be handling our uh, subscription management. Nice. So we're going to have increased customer service. We're going to have a dedicated team working on making sure everybody gets their product on time. Uh, it's just something I've been wanting to institute for a while now, and it's, uh, it's about to all commence, which is great. That's fantastic. It's good to see you guys doing that stuff, man. I'm really excited about Heavy Metal. I mean, it's it's the best. Like, And you guys are, are a big part of comics now, and it's super exciting. You guys are doing a really great job. That's awesome. I appreciate that. You know, what, I think it's the right place, right time, too. Like, I think, I think so much of what Heavy Metal brought into pop culture is now dominating pop culture. Yeah. So if there was ever a time for the, the magazine, the brand, to have a resurgence, now is that time. Yeah. That's, that's really great. And you said you're from Jersey. What part of Jersey are you from? Oh, gosh. I am from the town of East Rutherford, New Jersey, home of Giant Stadium. Whoa, you're from the swamps of East Rutherford? <laughs> I swamp people, yes. That's awesome. I love, as my uh, grandmother lived in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, oh, yeah, know so, it well. So we would make the trip up every, you know, every three or four months. And driving by old Giant Stadium as a kid was the coolest thing in the whole wide world. You know, nobody believes me when I tell them that where I lived was a literal swamp. But yeah. that is true. <laughs> it is a swamp. The swamps of East. So, like, where did you live in East Rutherford? Because it's not, like, that's weird, man. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, you know, if you only see, like, the Route 17 Giant Stadium, like, that area, it's hard to contextualize that people actually, like, there is a residential area. But no way. Is. You just lived in the parking. There was houses in the parking lot or something? You lived behind Brendan Byrne Arena? <laughs> I did spend a lot of time there, but that's no, it, it, uh, again, like the sleepiest little suburban town in New Jersey. Like we, we could see New York City from our from our homes. That's cool. But it might as well have been Paris. Like it, yeah, just yeah, yeah. culturally speaking, it was, it was so far removed from Manhattan in our long way of Paris. That's awesome. I loved I loved going to Jersey as a kid. Um, because I mean, I went to my first Mets game. Are you a Mets or Yankees fan? I am not a sports guy. You're not dude. a sports guy at all. Okay. Okay. okay, I'm with you, Chris. I'm with you, Chris. All right, brother. Well, how did you get <laughs> how did you get out of that alive then? I mean, being in New Jersey, I imagine you're a kid of like the '70s and the '80s, right? Like, I, I imagine I imagine that we're contemporaries. Yeah, I, you know, I I remember when I was younger and sort of into collecting stuff. I had a I had a very brief fascination with baseball and baseball cards. Mm -hmm. But I mean, really brief. Like as again, like as soon as like <laughs> as soon as the new issue of Spider Man came out, I was like, all right, forget the baseball card. Was it the gum? You ate the gum, and you're like, nope, screw this. Like, oh no, I was afraid. 
scared me. Um, no, I, uh, you know, I don't know how I managed to, to, and again, it's such a weird little sports driven town. Like even the local high school sport, like uh, my, my entire family who still lives there, their, their entire social life revolves around the high school football games. My brother is a football coach. Really? Uh, yeah. So I am like total black sheep. Like there, I, I, I no, no shared interests with anybody in my immediate family. That's so very awesome. That sound that sounds like a movie right there, dude. Like you're <laughs> you you've got your own like yeah like like the 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 Longo life story. Like you're like I went to comics because everybody likes sports. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know away. that, it was that I, you know I don't even know that it was that premeditated. My my relationship to comics started really super young. Like I was I was I wanted comics before I could really read them. So I I. I remember it started because my mother used to work on the weekends and my father would spend his Saturdays and Sundays kind of hanging around with me. And I realize now in retrospect, as a parent, he wasn't just being super kind. He really just wanted me to like shut up for a couple of hours. So when I started seeing comics in stores I, and I wanted to buy them, he would gladly buy the comics. Yeah. And buy you know, your your and dad stuff. cared about literacy and learning. And look at you now, Chris, look <laughs> at you now. That. Let's go with that. Yeah, that's, it makes him sound so much nicer than like he just wanted me to shut up so he could watch football. Listen, listen I've got a kid. I, if he wanted me to shut up so we could watch football, <laughs> uh, no, it was like that was my that that's you know I, I was just instantly drawn to Spider Man. It was those uh, I don't know if you remember the Marvel Spidey comics that were uh, based on the segments from the Electric Company. Okay, yes, like a kid friendly version of Spider Man, non serialized. That I love that, and that led me to picking up um, the Marvel Tales starring Spider-Man. Which yeah, those were reprints. great. Yeah, they were amazing Spider-Man reprints a couple years later, and uh, I I happened to be there when like the Gwen Stacy storyline was happening. I was like, I, I just by the time I was like seven years old, it was just all about the comics. That's awesome. And, then, and back then it was so crazy because there was no such thing as a diamond or release dates or previews or anything like that. Or a so pull I, box. <laughs> Right. So I just run into this little candy store in my neighborhood like every single day hoping there'd be new comics waiting. Yeah. Me too. I yeah, think we the store all, I like that. Yeah. We all so. did. I mean, because that's why if you look at my collection, I'm sure you're if you still have your collection from a kid, like there's just you have Amazing Spider-Man. 138 and 140 and 145 because you couldn't get them all in order. You just got what you got. You got what you got and there were no there really weren't comic shops then. No. It was just no. like a spinner rack, a spinner rack, and a, in a drugstore. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I would run to that store, and the, you know, I would, I would always ask the shop owner, like, the new comics coming in today. I don't know, kid. Like, they come. Uh-huh. Why don't you go play football like your brother, loser? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I, I remember even as a kid, that's how I got into Mad Magazine because the grocery store that my parents went to, they didn't have comics. They had mag. They had the magazine section, and the magazine section was always so big. And Mad Magazine was one of the only ones that was like a cart was like comics. It was like cartoons. Oh yeah. And I just right. fell. I just fell right into it, man. Like I read Mad Magazine before I was reading comics, um, and I loved it. And I, when I got back, it was weird too because when I left home for the first time and I moved to Richmond, Virginia, to go to college, I started reading Mad Magazine again because I was like, well, there's no one here to judge me. Like I live, like my parents aren't going to make fun of me saying this is kid stuff. And I started reading Mad Magazine again in like two, like 1998. And it was just as good as it was when I was a kid. 
No shame in it, man. No. Did you, and read, the, did you read Cracked? I did. I, I you know what? Yes. If I was desperate, yeah. I would read Cracked. Yeah, I was. I had no problem with Cracked. I mean, obviously, Mad One in the long run. I I, I realized Mad had a slight edge to it and was they more. Had, they, clever. They, they had Alfred E. Newman, I think, which Alfred. really helped. Yeah. Yeah. And they better. They, uh, in my opinion, they had stronger cover artwork too. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Always more interesting to me. And I always, um, I always love Spy versus Spy. Spy versus Spy was great. Spy, oh, and great. I love, I love Don Martin. Any Don Martin segment, yeah, yeah. I was there. Yeah, want to hear, want to hear a funny, want to hear my most embarrassing uh, Mad Magazine uh, story from the time that I worked there. Of course sure. we do. <laughs> so I, I think it took me like five or six years to just not freak out. Like, and I'm not a starstruck guy. I literally had a face-to-face conversation with Tom Cruise and didn't give a shit. And that, but <laughs> I met guys from Mad Magazine and I was, uh, I was just beside myself. And it took me a long time to be able to work with them and not just fumble over myself. And I, because what the weird thing was, they all, they were all illustrated into the magazine, like especially the Dave Berg segments, like all of the editors were illustrated in. So you would, I would go in there and I would instantly recognize people, but from illustration. (laughs) And it was just so trippy. And uh, so, so I, you know, at this point, five, six years in, I kind of got my legs under me. And they, they it's were like, you, did you hear what you just, Chris, oh, did you hear what you just said? Five or six years. Yeah, I'm saying it out loud. I'm proud. I <laughs> by those guys. And they, 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 you know, now, you know, now they think it's funny, but um, I became a friend of mad, you know, they, they always treated me really well. And, and they were always very respectful of me. They used to come to our, our, uh, my department's national sales meeting and give a mad magazine presentation. And occasionally if somebody of note was hanging around the office, they'd bring them down to say hello and meet the team. And they just busted in one day with Sergio. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Sergio's there. And uh, again, heart palpitations. Like I'm right back to my first day. I'm Rude, like, oh, dude. <laughs> So Sergio is sitting two seats away from me during this meeting and enjoying a bagel and coffee and whatnot. And we're and and John Ficara is giving his uh, mad overview to the team. And I don't hear anything John says because I'm just sitting there watching Sergio doodle on notebook paper with a <laughs> with a purple sharpie. And I don't know what he's drawing. I don't even think he knew what he was drawing. He was just doodling, having a good time. So. 45 minutes later, presentation ended. Everyone's taking a break. The mad guys were leaving. Sergio just picks up his coffee cup, his plate, his doodle, just kind of puts it all in his arms and tosses it in the trash. And I am not ashamed to tell you that I waited 30 minutes and went dumpster diving for that doodle. That's awesome. I stuck my hand right into that can full of bagel and cream cheese and whatnot and, and... to this day, I have that flattened out in my storage facility. I was going to ask if you had the doodle. You've got it. You got I did something similar. I was at a small show in Akron, Ohio, and um, the gentleman who used to uh, ink Swamp Thing, Alan Moore Swamp Thing way back in the day, John Tolden, I believe. Mm-hmm. I can't pronounce his last name, but um, he's almost blind at this, age, at this age. Like He's really sweet guy, very kind dude. He was there at the show with his wife. And he was just inking on like a comic board the whole show, just sitting there, just kind of messing around, just casually inking. Just he would dip his little thing in just as he would dry off his 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 inkwell before he would do so like a commission or something. He would just kind of dab it on this sheet. And at the end of the day, him and his wife just left 
and they left the little cheat there. And your fucking A Rhino went over and snaked that thing. And it's beautiful. Like, it's yeah. this beautiful piece of work that he's just like casually dabbing his pen on, but it's still like the craftsmanship that's in it. I was, I was blown away by it. It was amazing. And I sat there in that conference room too and noticed no one noticed, but I was like, are you all dead inside? Sergio just threw some art in the garbage. Are you all insane? Why am I the only one dumpster diving for this? That's awesome. That's so yeah. great. That's so awesome. Now, would you have fought someone for it if you had to, Chris? If you had to... <laughs> uh, depends upon who it was. I would have picked my battles reasonably. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering how, how like, because you get committed as as a fan of things. Like, I don't know how bad I want. Like, will I will I beat somebody up to get to that trash can? I'm not sure. Like, it might happen. It might not. You know. I uh, you know if push came to shove, I'd probably uh, I defend my surf. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that's wonderful. I mean, that's really great, dude. That's so much fun. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate all this information and all you coming on and like, so you guys, you're act is, is heavy metal actively looking for things like, and if you wanted to get into the heavy metal system, like if you're listening to this, how would that happen? Like, do you just, are you guys taking submissions or? You know, like- we, we, we've been, we have, I mean, we've had the benefit of kind of being flush with, with content, you know, we, but we're starting, like I, like I alluded to, we're, we're trying to think about, like, how do we go a little broader, right? So I think there will be opportunities to, to see more submissions and to take more pitches in the near future. Um, we've just kind of got to figure, you know, the, the challenging thing, like our ambitions are a little bit greater than the supply chain business will allow us to be right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're trying to plan very specifically, you know, publishing the things that are absolutely essential for 2022 makes sense. so yeah so if if that stuff starts loosening up a little bit more and we can have a little bit more fun then you know we would love to work with more folks we'd certainly love to work with folks like you um you know i uh, we're fans of you as much as you are of heavy metal um so so absolutely i think um i you know we're going to get back into doing conventions and i hope we're able to do portfolio reviews and things like that make it all happen once we're we're back at live events that's awesome that's okay. awesome. Again, you guys are a legacy publication. You're the world's most famous illustrated magazine, according to your Google search. And I mean, <laughs> and it's just, it's so much fun, man. I mean, because when you think heavy metal, like there's just certain things that pop into your head. And it's, I mean, it's really, especially for a guy like you, who's such a fan. I mean, you've got to pinch yourself every day. It's nuts, dude. I, I honestly, <laughs> I don't, I, I scarcely understand how I got here. Like it just, it just, Still doesn't seem real 20 some odd years later, but I'm so happy to be here. And, you know, the, the great part about heavy metal is like this, this is kind of how we team when we're talking to folks who want to work for the, the company or in particular folks who want to pitch us something. The thing we always say is like, show us the pitch that everyone else turned down, that everyone was said was too crazy, too out there. You know, no one would ever buy it. We want to see the wildest shit you can come up with. Yeah. And that, that's usually our start, starting point when we're talking to creative people. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. That, that's why I like you guys so much. And I, I told you, what did I tell you, Baltimore? We, you were the first place we sent Metal Shark, bro. I know. You know yeah. hey, different, hey, different regime, bro. But as soon as we were doing this thing, I was like, this would be perfect for heavy metal. Different regime doesn't change my level of regret. <laughs> you weren't even there. You were- I, I retroactively regret it. Let's put oh, it that man. way. I, you know what, dude? I mean, I think it, it's all going to work out for the best. 
I'm I'm looking forward to to submitting things to you guys. I'm looking forward to seeing the things you guys are doing. Uh, it's just it's really exciting, man. I'm so glad heavy metal is back and just kind of rocking and rolling and making really big strides in this. Comedy. You know what? I gotta tell you, I'm really glad the industry is finding more folks like you who are telling you know out there stories, <laughs> non traditional stuff. You know. I, I, you know, I, maybe it's my tastes and, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself here, but Metal Shark Bro was one of those books I felt like that's that's somebody who I'm aligned with. That's my sense of humor. <laughs> that's the that's yeah, I see a cover like that. I'm like, all right, I'm sold. I don't even care what's in the book. That's, that, <laughs> that's cool. all right, dude. All I right. mean, and, and, and to, to give you guys credit, like heavy metal is like that movie that I saw when I was like the very first one, not the second one. Not the 2001 one, because I think I was a bit older then. But when I first saw the very first heavy metal movie, I was like, what is this? And why is this glowing orb going all these places? Like, I was like, maybe 13 and up too late watching HBO. So it was amazing, like, at that age. Like, it was like, what is this? Like, I didn't know cartoons could do this, you know, at that age. Can I tell you one of the one of the rare treats of being affiliated with heavy metal? Sure. Watching people who I meet or who learn that I'm working for the company find a way to tell me that heavy metal was, the movie was their first exposure to unity. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that I think that might well. I don't know because I because I also was talking about this before like on the spinner racks at my shop that there used to be a savage sort of conan and the and the shop owner didn't know that you know you probably shouldn't buy that if you're a kid so i think i might have seen boobs in there but I, they might not have had nipples because marvel <laughs> was publishing it then so it might have been the first time i seen full boobs drawn out uh there but like in heavy metal the movie like i was like whoa that like all this crazy stuff going on and i my young mind was blown i was like done <laughs> so it, 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 I think it's one of those things like it's, it's generational. Like I think I was at the age where um, I was watching that movie in like the early days of HBO when it seemed to me or maybe it was Cinemax, but it was it was uh, one of those channels was showing it ad nauseum. I mean, like literally you could turn on in any given time of the day. Heavy metal was on for a while. And, uh, you know, I would catch it at all these weird different times and at different breaks in the movie. So it took me a long time to actually watch it from beginning to end. And uh, it's it, it's one of those things that leaves a mark. You don't forget the first time you saw that heavy metal movie. Really no, no, I, I still remember like that. And like the the like World War Two, like uh, B-52 bomber uh, story was like amazing, like with like these skeletons firing guns and there was music happening. And I was like, what is this? Like my brain was just like. My young, my young thirteen-year-old brain was like, "I have no idea what this is, but I'm gonna keep watching it." So. <laughs> did you read our? Did you read our book called Dead War? That's based upon that uh, bomber character. Uh, no, I haven't. Um, but I would. All right, so. send you a copy. Listen to that. It's good to know people. Now, the thing is, too, <laughs> since the movie was such a big kind of piece of the heavy metal lore. Are you guys still doing like do you, are there plans to do more movies and cartoons and things of that nature? Are you guys just strictly sticking to publishing at this point? No, no, we uh, we have plans to be uh, you know we're we're gonna assault you on every single device possible. <laughs> That's no, the I, best we, answer. Look, look, it's it's pretty well documented. We have a we we have a a, a plan to turn heavy metal into a studio as well as a publisher. 
Um, we have some great partners on that side who are helping to facilitate that. We're getting the message out there. And uh, hopefully next time we all chat, maybe there's something a little bit more interesting to talk about on that front. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, because again, it's such a part of the legacy that like it yeah. just it just makes sense. You and know? you know what it is too? Like there, there's so much more opportunity to tell long form stories now from uh, from the serialized content. Oh so. yeah, totally. With, yeah. The, with all the streaming services. And I mean, you know, there's countless numbers. And I mean, I could think, think about like the, I'm sure you thought of this, but like the idea of like Shudder doing a heavy metal series, like that would be amazing. I would, I would, I would love for that to happen. Just let's the make, way you outlined it. Let's make it happen, Chris. I, let's, let me start calling some people, see if I know anybody. <laughs> I'm gonna Google. Are you guys? Are you guys horror fans in general? I, I'm more of a horror fan than Bobby is. I would I'm, say. I would say I'm more of a creature feature kind of guy. Because I'm always curious when people love heavy metal. Like, do you do you lend do you bend more towards the sci-fi of it all, the horror of it all? Like, what? what I'm sci-fi what, fantasy. I'm sci-fi fantasy. Sci-fi both fantasy. of us are both sci-fi fantasy fans. Like, for me, in the first heavy metal movie, that last story with uh, Tarna and the sword and all that stuff was like super dope. Um, it was probably my favorite one. I was like, oh, they saved the best one for last. So I would say like that's more like both of our leanings there. But like if we're talking about horror, it depends because we both like the same kind of horror, but in different ways. Like uh, we're, we're like campy horror fans. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, more of a I'm more of like I said, a creature feature kind of guy. Like give me big insects. Give me big monsters. Get, I, I like that. Creature like that's, from the Black yeah. Lagoon. He likes stuff like that. Like that's yeah. his deal. Like the <laughs> Invisible Man. Like I'll watch anything. I'll watch I'll watch a Jason movie and I'll watch uh, Scary. A, like, I can't do it. And, I, and I'll watch like a Michael Myers thing. No, I don't care. scary. I don't like it. And, and Bobby's not into that. Uh-uh. But, I, but, but I will watch Creatures. Slash me. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll watch any kind of horror movie. As long as the premise is good, it doesn't like go to garbage. Or unless it's intentionally garbage. Like intentionally like uh, then I'll watch that too, just because I want to see how garbage it is. But, uh, but that's just me. <laughs> no, I live for it. Yeah, oh, so what's your I favorite do. horror movie, Chris? Oh gosh, so I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a classic because it was the one. I think the one that introduced me to it, the original Halloween is is. Right. For me, I mean, I you know, if you watch it now, it really is like. Um, it's cringy now. Other than restraint, you know, like there's no blood. <laughs> Uh, it's sustained tension throughout, and the, the really big payoff to everything really happens near the end of the third act. So it's not like a, it, it gets lumped in with the, all the other slashers and the imitators, but it really is like a, a, an amazing sustained tension kind of thing that uh, I don't think has ever been matched. Yeah, I think Halloween Two was a better movie because really? like the, the the scariness of Halloween Two for me when I was like twelve or thirteen, I watched it was like Laurie Strode's not in her house anymore or in her town. She's in a hospital and there's no power, and you, there's no way you know your way around that hospital. Yeah, and you, I just and like watching them back to back. I think it's interesting to watch that as like one long movie. Oh, I didn't think about doing that, but like, th- that's the reason why for me, like, people are like, "Oh, Rob Zombie." I was like, "No, he doesn't know what he's doing," because like, like the, it, it Chris turned it into know something him. else. You better be quiet. Chris knows everybody. I, I don't. I, 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 <laughs> I would tell Rob Zombie that to his face. Like, I don't care. But I'm just saying, like, because the second one was garbage. I was like, "This is hot garbage." Like, it, he took all the things that were like scary about it and made it like not scary. <laughs> How yeah. did you do that? Like, that's just my opinion, though. Look, look, I'll, I'll give him credit for this. He he tr- he swung for the fences. He tried to do something that was, that was putting his own stamp on Halloween. I'm not sure Haddonfield needed so many hillbillies. So uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it was the right play, but 
I know the movies have their fans, you know, people yeah. do like that take, so bless their hearts. But I really like I like where it's gone since 2018. I am I am so on board with the Jamie Lee uh resurrection and and seeing Laurie Strode's story through and I'm really excited for the next one too. And I mean John Carpenter is a goddamn genius. I oh. mean I I mean, I, John Car- I grew up on John Carpenter movies, so I, like I like all, every movie John Carpenter ever did up to vampires, genius. up to vampires. Like once you get to vampires, I was realizing when I went to the movie theater, I must have been about sixteen when fifteen, sixteen when vampires came out somewhere around there. That I that I was too old for. Uh, that's why I felt like I was too old for John Carpenter movies. But I was like, maybe it's just a bad movie. And then later on, as an adult, I tried to watch it again. Was like, nope, it's just a bad movie. It's not a good, <laughs> not a good movie. We all have our off days. I got to tell you, I've been. I, it took me until uh, my adulthood, but I really embraced John Carpenter, the musician. Really, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah. Lot, oh my god, those those albums are so great. Like I just sucked right into them. Well, he does. And, uh, he does all the soundtracks for his own films, don't? Doesn't yes. He? Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. He's yeah. cool, man. And like, and I just love the range of his work because he can do something like, you know, uh, he could do Halloween, but then he can do Assault on Precinct 13 or Prince of Darkness. They live. Like, his, they live. They, like, I mean, just, just so his body awesome. of work is just so grand and, and, and kind of all encompassing. It's, he's wonderful. Big man. Trouble in Little China. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a great the movie. The thing, dude. Come on. He's a I love the genius. thing. He's one of those directors where, like, I could see a snippet of the movie and have a good sense that it was a John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Yes. Out of context. There's just something about the way they look and the way they sound. Like, no one does what what he does. People used to crap on The Fog, but I like The Fog. I thought The Fog is a great movie. Fog is great. Yeah, I agree. We sound like a bunch of nerds. (laughs) We are a bunch of nerds. I know. It's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> at a comic book convention where we were both we were all hoping to win awards <laughs> yeah, totally. we're nerds. I, was, I was just hoping to win one of those sweet black denim jackets if i'm being I, honest I, with you man i that mean shit. that's what i wanted a, i wanted a heavy metal hat that that's what i came here for <laughs> probably help you with the hat i don't know about the denim jacket <laughs> I, I think i think uh the denim jacket phase i'm not i don't know if i can rock that anymore man i i had a sweet denim jacket and i gave you could it. with the long hair you just got to get it back you got to get the right back patch yeah. for like when you were in middle school like so which uh, i mean would it be like a mega death no, no. I'd, get a, I'd get a guns and roses appetite for destruction one. that's what it'd be appetite for destruction mm. yeah that's yeah, so you gotta, uh, gotta embrace, like I assume we're all around the same age, like you said. Like yes. you get that, you get to this age, and it's like, who cares what you wear? Like I, I've just <laughs> right into that. Like I'm probably gonna see you wearing a horror movie T-shirt and jeans. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the wardrobe now. Deal with it. Well, it's not so much a who cares. It's just, I don't know if I have the patience to go out and find one. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I get you. I'm, I get shop, you. I'm shopping with my nine year old and eleven year old kid. Like, I, and I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'm gonna find a sweet one at Target because that's about the only place I go to buy <laughs> stuff anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have the the patience to hit every thrift store in my city to find the sweetest denim jacket I, in the whole wide world. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I bought mine at Target. So really, get out! Oh, I'm going. All right. No, I swear to God. I'll check it out. If you find it at Target, like I'll uh, just you could you, you can always use the internet to get it, Bob. Like, you can yeah, just use the I, internet I gotta, on Target, internet is, and Target together. But the thing about a denim jacket is though, and I think all of us have worn a denim jacket, so we all it's the feel. Like you got to try it on. You gotta 
you got to really just just you got to live in it for a minute. You just can't buy one on the internet and hope it comes and works out. Like it's not a Russian bride; it's a denim jacket. Like you really gotta you gotta get it. You gotta, it's gotta take his lumps and and uh, and uh, start conforming to you. Yeah, yeah. Like I had I, I, when I was in college, I had a denim jacket. It was fucking amazing. And in in a alcoholic haze, I traded the coat to the singer. You guys remember the band Sugar Cult? Yeah, I remember the name. They were like a, they were like a shitty pop punk band. They played uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And okay. in, the, in the middle of a drunken haze, I traded my denim jacket to the singer of this band for like five shots of Jack Daniels. What? <laughs> I swear to God. Like we were at a bar, we were hanging out after the show, and he's like, "Dude, I love your denim jacket." I was like, "Dude, if you fucking buy me some drinks, I'll give you my jackets." And he's like, "How many drinks you want?" I was like, "Fucking, I don't know, just a couple shots of Jack Daniels." And I gave him my. J- I always regretted that decision. It was such a great jacket. Wait, what if he still has it? You should. I don't look- know. I don't. I don't even. It has I, an Instagram or something, and you man. can. Uh, <laughs> Believe me. I've looked, I've looked, Chris. I've looked because that jacket is just oh man, what a what a what a waste, what a waste. <laughs> <laughs> but we've kept you long enough, friend. Uh, Chris, oh, we didn't even talk about your. Do you want to talk yes, about let's, your? Let's talk about modern fanatic. You want to talk oh, about yeah, that? I don't, know, I, don't yes. know uh, I don't know if your listeners would find this terribly interesting, but you know, I do have the marketing skills, and for a while that was kind of where the career was going, and I was cool with that. But I managed to find some really great partners. Uh, you know, the, the gentleman, one of whom I worked with when I was at DC and he was with Lego, and another person who I hired uh, a couple of years back to help me with my other business. And we just very organically during the pandemic decided we wanted to take a stab at creating a specialty agency uh, and one that would help brands connect in very authentic ways with people like us, right? Like. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm certainly tired of going to like San Diego Comic Con and getting handed like all this garbage samples of things that <laughs> I want, and then you know having like those really sort of uh, patronizing people wearing capes and tights with the brand logo on it. Like that stuff just makes me cringe. And the agency's mission is basically like, if you really want to talk to fans, use us to help find authentic ways to talk to fans and do it with significantly less spend and significantly less effort where it's, where you, you, you're breaking a sweat to relate to this audience. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's the, the simplest way I could, I could explain it is like, we're almost treating fan culture like it's, uh, 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 like it's multiculturalism, meaning the way Coke and Pepsi would hire a specialty multicultural agency to send a message to one community, we're asking brands to look at fandom groups in that same way through that same lens. Don't presume you know them Mm -hmm. because you watch The Big Bang Theory once. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone is an astrophysicist and and, and whatnot. Some of us just have jobs, you know? (laughs) So, so it's that it's, it's just, it's like modulate your brand message, use us as a specialty agency. And we've, we've been, we've been fortunate to do a lot of really fun work. Like our, uh, the original version of this agency before my partners came on, uh, I'm fairly certain we were the first company to bring, uh, sewing machines to comic conventions for cosplayers. So we had the Bernina sewing machine brand there to sponsor cosplay events and give out free machines and things like that. That's that was pretty a- smart. That yeah. is pretty smart, yeah. So we're always looking for those angles. Like, how do you how do you do something with marketing dollars that are actually additive to the culture as opposed to just 
pitching a tent with something that nobody really wants or expects to be yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a waste of money. You know, you don't you don't retain any any engagement with that fan on any level. They just take the free product and they've forgotten about it once you're out of their sight. And, and uh, there's a smarter way and a better way. Now um, I'm on your website here, and you guys have connected with some pretty big, ba- uh, some pretty big brands. That's modernfanatic.com. Like, do you even work with like people launching Kickstarters, or like, let's say you're a, a, a uh, let's say you have a, a a book at a small publisher? Do you work with people that small, or do you have like bigger aspirations? Yeah, we've, or we've done projects of a lot of different scales. So we we you know we haven't done a whole lot in the Kickstarter space because I I would say that we're probably not the best agency for that kind okay. of project. Mm-hmm. I, I would steer people towards other people I know who are much better at marketing Kickstarters because that is a science unto itself. Um, but but we've definitely worked with book publishers on very small projects. Um, we're not you know we're not looking to just work exclusively on gigantic you know capital B brand activations. We're just looking to we're we're looking to use our know how and our history and our skills to be able to ultimately support fandom. You know, the, using marketing money to help support, uh, you know, making fandom better and stronger and helping publishers and content creators and conventions sort of sustain a little bit better with uh, marketing dollars. That's awesome. That's awesome. I dig it. I dig it. So it I, I can I can uh, justify staying in marketing by knowing that I'm I'm at least kind of feeding the beast that I want to be working in, <laughs> keeping, keeping pop culture moving and keeping interesting things happening here, and and uh, that makes me happy. That's awesome. So you are the jack of all trades, my friend, and you're the master of all of. Chris, it's a real pleasure talking to you, dude. Thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us. Where can we hit you up on social media? Where's the easiest place to find you? Uh, you can find me uh, in most places, uh, Twitter, Facebook, at Chris Longo, K-R-I-S-L-O-N-G-O. I think Instagram is the only one where I'm not at Chris Longo. I think it's uh, at Chris underscore Longo, um, but uh, close enough. I'm pretty easy to find and uh, happy to engage. Cool, man. Well, we really yeah. appreciate having you on. It's a pleasure meeting you. It was a pleasure meeting you in Baltimore. It was honestly like... The, we won a Ringo, but talking to you, you guys, you and Jeremy, was like the highlight of our. our it show. was. It was the highlight of our it trip. Really yeah. was. I, I look. I was thrilled for you. We had just met you, but I, you know, I had been a fan from afar of Metal Shark Bro. Um, you know, when I read the category list, that was the book I wanted to win. I'm glad it was you guys, and I'm glad you guys turned out to be awesome. I would, uh, I'd happily talk to you guys any day of the week. Oh, I, oh. I, I we're gonna talk all the time because you make us feel so good about ourselves. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna call you, Chris. We're I just really, gonna schedule you yeah. every day to talk Chris, to you. Like, I don't can really. I, can I, I ask you guys a question before we break? Here? Yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Are we getting a volume three? Um, yes. It's just a matter of of timing, man. Like. Walter is a very busy guy. He's got his fingers in a lot of different, uh, in a lot of different pies. We're trying to do things as well. Like we want to expand our kind of, we want to be John Carpenter. We want to do different kinds of stories. So we're trying to expand our own audience, but eventually we'd love to come together and, uh, and do more Metal Shark, bro. We already have, a, I mean, I've got, we already out- have an idea. Yeah. We already got the outline written. For love it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's basically, it's basically going to be uh, Smokey and the Bandit in Outer Space. Uh, I, I will tell you one funny story. When I was rereading it around the holidays on my uh, my iPad, my wife caught a glimpse over my shoulder. She said, "What on earth are you reading? <laughs> what is that shark doing? Is that a shark?" I'm like, it, "It's a metal shark, bro. I'll explain when I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, man, we, it's, it's such a great character. We really enjoy doing it. And like, it's the people that get it really fucking get it. Like there's nobody on the fence about it. That's the cool part about it. There's like, yeah, it's okay. It's either you fucking love it or you well, think it's, or you the, hate it. Yeah. Or you think it's the dumbest I, thing in the entire world. I love yeah. it. You guys, you guys take that thing, the TV or movies. I, I think that thing will be unstoppable, I, but I, I love comics so much. If you, I mean, if you kept going with that, you'd, you'd always have my money. Everybody says that, but we can't get anybody to bite. Like, it's just, I don't know this, what it is. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we, we, we've thought about it. And like, uh, it, even even to the point where the, like when we did the first Kickstarter, um, there's a song and everything. So we had somebody, some, uh, somebody just was like, hey, I want to write a song about this. I was like, Bobby, what do you think? He's like, okay, that's cool. So yeah. we, we, it's, it, it was, yeah, and they did it. And the song's awesome. So it was, it was really funny. Um, Don't give up, man. I would love to see that. Happen. Oh, never. Metal Shark Pro will live forever. I mean, it's an award-winning comic. What are we doing? <laughs> and that might be the only award we ever win. Never. So like, we're gonna, never. we're gonna, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna keep winning funny awards because we're silly people. Uh, well, the Eisners. We're going for the Eisners next. Oh, There's no best humor comic, but we'll try. That's crazy talk. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's crazy talk. I wouldn't have said it if if it was sane. That's true. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you, man. We really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, guys, always a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with everything. Yeah, man. All right, here. Let me. How do I stop this? I totally forgot. Oh, there. No, there. Where's my record thing? How it says recording. How do you forget how to? <laughs>
Word Bros. You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, the WordBros.com.